0: Well, good morning and welcome Trinity Bible Church, as well as family and friends who are visiting this morning. Uh, as we continue in our time of, of Advent worship, I'll be reading a, a long portion this morning uh, from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. It'll be covering what is known as the Annunciation, the Visitation, and then the Praise of Mary known as the Manificat. I'll be reading out loud, and after the time of reading, ask that you take a time to pray silently as you prepare your hearts and minds for the teaching of the Word. Reading now from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 56. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. Please take this time to pray. Heavenly Father, as as the church gathers here on the Lord's Day, even on this day, on Advent, we come celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're reminded how Advent, the birth of Messiah, incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, is tied to his humiliation and to his death on the cross. That the praises that we see from Elizabeth and Mary are evident that through the power of the Spirit, they recognized the Rescuer was here. Lord, now as we gather many thousands of years after this event, We come in a similar voice. Oh God, rescue us. This morning, Lord, let us see clearly our own sinfulness, rebellion, desire to fulfill our, our own selfish wants and needs, and break that in us, your people through this power of the Word and the Spirit, that we might be transformed more and more into the image of this Rescuer and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Lord, show us the high places we've built in our lives that we bow down to, that we believe are secret, but are ever before you. Remind us, God, of the frivolous ways of our lives and the worship we give other things let us this morning be reminded that all of our worship, all of our rejoicing is to go to the one true God who has created us, redeemed us, and one day will complete in us a transformation out of this fallen world and into your kingdom. Grant mercy on us this morning, Lord, by illuminating our minds to the truth of your word. In transforming the inner person through the work of the Spirit, that our affections would be turned from dead things to the living God. We pray this now as we continue in our time of public worship, that your name will be glorified. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In Genesis, God creates out of nothing, from his breath, all things. He creates all living things from the dust of the ground, including man. He takes man and takes a part of him and creates woman. They're given a task. They're given a task in a garden. And and the glory of that garden and the sinlessness of them and their progeny, which also were to be sinless, would continue and multiply to cover the earth through their reflective worship and sinlessness, to magnify God's name and his glory forevermore. And yet, they fall. They sin. Temptation comes before them, and they forget God's commands and listen to another voice. Sin enters the world. Death, disease, war, famine, poverty. All of it as a result of the sinfulness of man. And yet this God promised to rescue his people. Promised one who would come from the seed of woman who would crush the work of the serpent, Satan, And rescue his people. And so the narrative. The poetry. The apocalyptic. And whatever comes after Genesis 3. Is all pointing the reader to. There's this one who we're waiting for. And so as the gospels. As they begin. All of them in their own way. Are trying to communicate to the reader. That one has arrived. And in Luke's account here, he begins it uniquely as he chains this particular account that we've read through an announcement from a heavenly messenger. And after that announcement, then there's a visit to a relative. And then two women, one elderly, or at least in the the language in, in Greek is a woman who's clearly past childbirth age, and then a very young girl probably a teenager who has been visited by an angel and between them they're discussing the plans of god and they both respond in the same way they praise and so the challenge for all of us this morning is is to take a a one of the one of the phrases that that the angel uses that the The power of God will overshadow you. And what that means is cover you. As we're called now, a couple thousand years later from these events, at all times, in all places, God's people, when they are confronted with the reality of his redemption... And his rescue, in spite of your sinfulness, in spite of your rebellion, in spite of your natural inclination to go your own way, is to stop us in our tracks and remind us who he is so that we might rejoice. So as we come upon this event, we've blowing through this text just until we get to the kind of the end of it but here in the beginning the what what was read in verse 26 this is the the announcement if you will and and an angel comes to the house of a man named joseph of the tribe of david and he is betrothed or he is promised to mary that is to be his wife Greetings, O oh favored one, the Lord is with you. And as every instance of an angel meeting somebody in the Old and the New Testament, they are either greatly troubled or afraid, or they attempt to worship. And so the angel responds to her uneasiness by saying, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and he shall call his name, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The way this is written is to make you understand the Son of the Most High is equal to God. And the Lord God will give to him, and if there's any question, of his throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, not for a time, but forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. so, to answer the question of the song, yes, Mary knew. It's the worst song. And I'm sorry if you like it. It's very subjective, I understand, but also at the same time, um, absolute truth. But she's confronted by an angel and told, "This is what's going to happen to you. You are going to bear. You are the one. This the one. You are the seed of the woman. This Christ will come from you. You're the woman." Now, historically in the church, this is how, starting in about the sixth century. Things went real sideways with how the church viewed Mary. Now I want you to pay attention. Nowhere in the text or in any text is there any inclination or anything that teaches even remotely close to the idea that Mary was sinless. Nowhere does it teach that she has some type of special place for humanity between God and and humanity it does teach that she was favored it does teach that she was uniquely chosen out of all women in history and yet at the same time you can never draw or speculate a theological conclusion that leads you to a place that somehow she is an intercessor for your prayers that go to god that is robbing Christ of his place as mediator, which she would have been appalled at. Rather, she is told, God has chosen you at this appointed time in the economy of his plan of salvation, and you will bear the Messiah. And you'll even notice as it moves forward, while this favored status of Mary is going to be repeated by this elderly Elizabeth, at the same time, all of the praise is going to go where? It's going to go to God at all times. So recognizing and being okay as a Protestant, as a child of the Reformation, to say, Mary was favored. She was unique in history. You can't say that's not true. But she was also a sinner. She also needed to be redeemed by the blood of the Son of God. And now, like all of those who have fallen asleep in Christ, her spirit is with the Lord. And on the day of those, when Christ returns and resurrects the dead, and unites body, now sinless and immortal, to sinless and immortal spirit, like all others, she will be in that state. So don't go to one extreme or the other. Don't go to the, the theological nightmare that she is somehow an intercessor, but also don't react in such a manner to somehow make her less than important in all of the history Of salvation. Rather see what the text has before us. Highly favored. And and what continue with this. Unbelievable announcement. The one we've all been waiting for. Is coming. And he's coming through you Mary. And he will be given the kingdom. And he will reign over it forever. And his kingdom will be Endless. Mary asked the question, how can this be since I'm a virgin? In 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you or cover you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Again, a designation for his deity. And then this interesting point that as this narrative continues, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the 6th month with her who was called barren why is that important the next verse tells you for nothing will be impossible with god as a sign for mary for her to have faith that what the angel was telling her was actually pro- what was actually possible this should also anyone who's read any of the the old testament some of this should be coming forward very quickly there was many times where god would show his power by by the expression would be to open the womb of the barren woman we know this throughout the patriarchs over and over again the most the most memorable would be sarah in her old age in 90 god said you will have a child. And she laughed. Why? It's impossible. But for, for the, the, the way that people are made. And the way their bodies work. It's impossible for that to happen. So the sign for Mary to understand that what God was going to do was going to happen. Was actually to point to a relative of hers and say. See here it is. Someone else, you know, Elizabeth, past her time, much past her time of the ability of having children, is with child and in her sixth month. By the way, that child is John the Baptist. So the angel's like, what's been done to Elizabeth is God doing the impossible. What God's going to do through you is even more impossible yet for god all things are possible and so all of this is to, to let mary know what she's been chosen for who is doing it what will come from it literally the salvation of his people and nothing is impossible look to elizabeth Have faith in what I'm telling you is going to happen. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary is told what God's going to do. And she believes. And this is synonymous with with the Old Testament as well. Often the saints of the Old Testament are simply told, leave your land and follow me. And they believed. They had faith. So Mary responds in 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town in Judah. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, who the angel told her about. And Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary and the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are babies in the, in, in the congregation today. I almost did it. I stopped myself. There are babies in the congregation today. And many women who have, who have had children in the past. And so they're all familiar with, especially at six months, the baby moves, there's movement. And so Elizabeth notes that this isn't because she ate spicy food. Rather, this was something, again, what we're tracing here is what's happening is from God. What's happening isn't natural or possible for man. And so the fact that now Mary comes and she speaks, John the Baptist as 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 a a preacher in the third century wrote, John the Baptist prophesies for the first time in the womb. He leaps for joy at the recognition. This is the idea. The, The reality is, though, quite clear. The Holy Spirit comes on Elizabeth. Recognition is given at what is happening. The momentous occasion in history... That all of history has been waiting for this one. And now history is about to advance in God's plan of saving his people. And the final prophet, the old covenant, meets the new covenant while in the womb... And John leaps for joy. And Elizabeth is given the power of the Spirit, and she's filled with the Spirit, which is still an expression of the way the Spirit worked in the Old Covenant. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now, if this is in your Bible, it's written in a way where it's still in this paragraph form, but this is actually a song or or prose, Um, not as lengthy as Mary's, but this is the response of Elizabeth, who herself was given a miraculous birth and her son will be the final prophet of the old covenant. And he will be the forerunner. Elijah, come again to make the path straight for the Lord, to tell the people he's finally arrived. The rescuer, the redeemer, the one we've been waiting for. That will be John's role. And then in John chapter 3, I believe 29... When he tells his own disciples, I must recede, or I must become less, so that he may become greater. And he says, and it made his joy complete. The first time they meet, John is joyful. After the baptism of Messiah, John worships. And as he sees Christ in his ministry, he purposefully recedes because his role will be finished. He's prepared the way. And Christ later will say, no greater man born from women. John was unique. And in here we see this interaction. History is changing from the old to the new, and it all hinges on incarnation. It all hinges on the birth of Christ. Everything that is, a, is a, supposed to be a celebration for the church during incarnation or Christmas is supposed to be bound to this idea that God moved history and stepped into it for the purpose of humiliation and death, and taking on the curse of sin for his people. I implore you, today, tomorrow, whatever your family celebration of Christmas looks like, Whatever presents are opened or not opened, if it's the greatest thing you've ever wanted, or if it's just another pair of socks, or whatever it might be, stop and remember why we celebrate this year. Take the cultural aspects of it, of being in the West and being in the United States. Why does the church hold this time of year sacred? Because God in history made the world stop as incarnation, as Christ enters a little backwater town in the Roman Empire. And the world will never be the same. That's why We celebrate. So, in your time of Christmas celebration, some of you, I'm sure, have family in the dozens and the twenties and all other multiples. Even if it has to be you, gentlemen, get everyone to stop. Take out the Bible. Read this account and thank God. Thank God for His glory. Rejoice, magnify, announce His praises to the nations. Let people be reminded why the church celebrates Advent. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the my lo- mother of my Lord should come to me? She's echoing uh, Psalm 11, where, where David calls uh, his, the, his Lord, Lord. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy and blessed is she, why, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Final note on Mary and her importance and all these things. Note how the flow of the story goes. An angel visits her and tells her what's going to happen. Gives her a, a, A sign that what God does when it comes to the impossible, he's already doing in a relative of hers to which she can go do. She can go check and see if that relative's actually six months pregnant. Mary's response is, do with me as you will. And then she goes to see that relative, and immediately the relative is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she tells Mary the sound of your voice, and the baby leapt in my womb. Another sign. Something miraculous that God is doing. And then Elizabeth says, Blessed are you. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. How is it that what she's saying is, A lowly person like me gets to see the the mother of my Lord. And then she doesn't point to Mary as above and beyond, she simply says, blessed is she she who believed. She believed the promise of the Lord. It's synonymous with all of those who believe throughout the old covenant. They are counted as blessed. And now, this final portion... And I have to say that because I'm just going to read it. Make a final statement. Pray and move into the Lord's Supper. But what is magnificent about the Magnificat is is the sheer amount of Old Testament that Mary quotes. First and second Samuel, Isaiah, Ezekiel zephaniah deuteronomy genesis the list goes on and on and for the small amount of space that's given here the raw amount of either direct quotations or allusions to old testament works is absolutely overwhelming close to a dozen have been identified that she quotes different books in this one little section So as Mary is visited by the angel, the one who will bear Messiah, and she goes to her cousin, and it's reaffirmed the work of God, not just in Mary, but in Elizabeth. The world is about to be transformed by the work of God. And in this then, Elizabeth praises God for what he's done. And now Mary will do the same. So let's look along as, as I read. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Magnifies the Lord just means to, to make it known, to make his name large. When she's finally comes to this place with seeing all these things that God going to do and believing his promises, her only response is to not point to herself, but rather to go look at how large and how amazing and how holy and how good and how just God is. And that's how all believers should be. When we're reminded of the goodness of God and the work of Advent and the work of Easter and our blessed hope of his return, we should at all times be going, I magnify the Lord. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And to his offspring forever. Mary recognizes the work of God. And she praises. She looks to the history of her people. And remembering their rebellion. And so celebrates God's mercy. And she looks to the future. And knowing that God is going to rescue his people. As we celebrate Advent, the birth of Christ, the nativity scenes everywhere, should not be disconnected from the fall. The nativity is attached to the fall as the nativity is, whereas the fall is, oh no, the Advent is, oh God, yes, finally. And then so we look from the fall, we look to Advent, but Advent isn't where we stop. We look to the cross. That God, in the flesh, came to offer himself as the one true Passover lamb. As the sacrifice for the sins of his people and the curse that was theirs. And in that death, when he said, it is finished, he broke the power of Satan and sin and death. And he goes into the grave. And his opponents and the mockers, they laughed. Until three days later, when they couldn't account for the body... In the very public event that Paul records in 1 Corinthians of just how many people and how many days Christ came back and spoke to people and ate with people. And in the very public nature of him ascending to heaven and promising to send the helper. And the father and the son, now that the son is back at his rightful place, send God the Holy Spirit to regenerate, seal as a mark for who they belong to, the church. And until Christ returns, we live in the reality of a post-fall, post-advent, post-death on the cross, resurrection, ascension, sending of the spirit, founding of the church, And we find ourselves now in this last age. And at such a time as this, as we await his return, may he find you all and me and the church universally magnifying his name. Rejoicing in the work of God. Being overwhelmed by his mercy for you And for all those he calls by his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider the work of your hand, as we consider the work of salvation history and where Advent sits in it and the mark of of the change of of all things through Christ, may we rightly worship you in our hearts and our minds and our thoughts through the Spirit and the Word, continue to transform us more into the image of Christ. For those that are here who are outside of the faith, I pray, God, through your sovereign hand, through the Word, the Gospel, fallen man in need of a Savior, that they would be drawn to cry out on Christ the one who died for their sins. May you continue to be glorified as we continue in our time of worship. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.